Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. You're listening to The Fix with Ryan Rothstein, live from the Prop Swap Studios of AM 1490 Sports Betting Radio. Prop Swap that ticket and cash in while the odds have improved. Once again, here's Ryan. All right, welcome back to The Fix. It's 1030 Wednesday. How we doing, South Jersey, and to the... Millions and millions listening around the world. Appreciate it. Um, Still plenty to get to here regarding the Eagles. That's why we have to bring in the very best, John McMullen, who we talk to every single night right here on The Fix, 1030 for your football fix. Be sure to follow John on Twitter at JFMcMullen. Phillyvoice.com and SI.com is where you can find all of John's written work, and he hosts extending the play every Saturday from 10 a.m. to 11 right here on 1490. John, how you doing tonight? Did you watch the Sixers' big win? Uh, I did not. <laughs> I, I did see, obviously, uh, the Bradley Beal stat line, so that's pretty impressive. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, the Sixers are playing well. Um, I give Doc Rivers a ton of credit. It's a real NBA coach. We haven't seen that in a while. That is a shot. Um makes a big difference it certainly does i used to have that debate frequently on a former platform where um i heard coaching didn't matter in the nba and i know you were brought into that debate a few times um and not to get down that rabbit hole but it's different in the nba it's not like the nfl but when you have a coach a veteran coach like doc rivers it's it's clear as day right now the difference he's making yeah, I mean, I, look, it doesn't – even in the NFL, I would say, you know, talent obviously wins out in the end. We've yeah. seen that locally here in Philadelphia. Um, been to the top, and now you're at the bottom or near the bottom with the same coach. So uh, personnel wins in every sport, um, and, and you saw that with, with Brett Brown, uh, was able to win, you know, 50 games when – uh, they got some talent, but you know when it is close, coaches can make a difference, and you're seeing that. Uh, I mean, one's really good, and one's uh, you know below average, I would say. For sure. Um, all right, so let's let's get into. I mean, you start here. There's still plenty to discuss. We've been talking about the the headlines for the Eagles, and yesterday, you know, Miles Sanders on Philly radio talking about how he didn't like the decision to put in Nate Sudfeld on Sunday night, talking about Carson Wentz and all the reports surrounding him. I know you have 
Um, plenty of articles that you've been putting out on both SI.com and phillyvoice.com throughout the week. So I don't know if you want to start with one of those or, or what's the lead here tonight for us? Well, I, I think the lead is, is still the tanking and then uh, Rich Scandarella, which we'll get to. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm surprised this has lasted as long as it has. And, and part of the reason is because, um, you know, Miles said what he said uh, on the radio, uh, probably spoke a little bit out of turn, to be honest, as a guy who wasn't active, uh, probably wasn't really uh, involved in the game planning. Uh, because, you know, I, I, I said it earlier this week on the show. I mean, I knew Nate Sudfeld was going to play. So, I mean, <laughs> I think most of the Eagles knew. And, and again, Jalen Hurts confirmed it after the game. Uh, Brandon Graham mentioned it uh, a number of times now. And now Jason Kelsey finally comes out uh, on his own accord on his Instagram account and explains sort of the Philadelphia Inquirer part of it, which had intimated um, there was some kind of confrontation. Um, but I would say two things now that I've had a, a few days to think about that. Um, and, and one is it's Sunday Night Football, so if there was this confrontation why the heck didn't the tv cameras catch it um you know they catch things like that on one o'clock games and i've seen no video of that so i gotta take jason at his word uh and he said you know his confrontation with doug peterson was just um are you making the change and um basically because i gotta get the rest of the offensive line ready so it was much ado uh, about nothing uh, other than the fact that, yeah, I mean, the Eagles weren't um, trying to win the game as they would typically try to win a game. Um, and by that, I mean they were intent on, on, on getting Nate some playing time. So it's sort of baked in that you're not exactly uh, – playing like Washington, which has to win to get in the postseason. You play differently is what I'm trying to say. But under the, the pre-planned circumstances, uh, the Eagles were trying to win the football game, if that makes sense. And, you know, there are a number of veterans out there. As I mentioned, Brandon Graham, Kelsey was one, Darius Slay, Zach Ertz, players like that, uh, who played the entire game. And Look, it's happened dozens and dozens of times in the NFL. Yeah, I, it happens every single season, uh, depending who's a bubble team, uh, depending who's at the top of the draft, and on and on and on. So I, I mentioned today it's really time to turn the page on this, and a lot of it has to do with it being the New York Giants and Joe Judge complaining, major market team, all that kind of stuff, national TV game. But it, it, it's really been overblown. really has. Yeah, it's – um, I, I can't even really explain it. And I guess it's just because – and we've talked about this already, but it's just because of how the game was going. Like, was it because it was on national TV, because it was a close game, and because no one else was really pulled? Like – you mentioned Jason, uh, Jason Kelsey and all the other starters, and we didn't see them on the sidelines by the start of the second half or middle of the third, and it was just all of a sudden 
Jalen's out. Yeah, it was. And Jason even mentioned that as well. Uh, he had thought, you know, let's be honest, the Eagles thought they were going to lose this game pretty pretty badly. Uh, and, you know, part of it had to do with uh, Matt Pryor and, and Brett Toth having to play tackle against Chase Young and Montez Sweat. I mean, the Eagles, bottom line, didn't think they would be in this game uh, because there were so many issues, so many players out. Um, and they were. And it was 17-14. Now, they were playing terribly. Jalen was 7 of 20. But because of the game and because how it was going and because you couldn't block Young and Sweat, it was going to have to be ugly if you were going to win the football game. And he's that type of quarterback, and you saw it in that game. He was able to run for two six-yard touchdowns. He was able to do some things. Um, and, and when it was 17-14, uh, Jason admitted, you know, maybe he wasn't going to put Nate Sudfeld in there because they were in the game. Um, so that, yeah, I think the timing and the circumstance – uh, raise some eyebrows. But, you know, the interesting part, and uh, I found this out today, but actually a, a couple of days ago, um, <laughs> because I, I, I obviously I'm not watching the broadcast. And I was told secondhand that Chris Collinsworth was really going after Doug Peterson. And, you know, in the pre production meetings, because those guys get to meet with the coach every week, the coaches. They put, they were told Nate was coming in the game. Yeah, no, they they, they addressed that. Of, they didn't think any anything of it. Yeah, they 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 addressed that. Um, you know, Chris Collinsworth and Al Michaels. They both said like, you know, listen, we we talked to Doug earlier today, and he said that he was going to try and get Nate into the game. He's but then Chris went on to say, listen, I'm not saying this is wrong. I'm not saying they should or shouldn't do this. I don't know how you can do this. If it was me, there is no way I'm making this switch at this time in this game. Um, but then they both acknowledged that Doug said that, but then they took like another shot at him and saying, but not under this circumstance. I, I don't know. It, it was unnecessary. Well, I'm glad they acknowledged it at least. I, 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 like I said, I didn't see the broadcast. So yeah, um, I didn't even know if they acknowledged it, but um yeah, I mean, John Clark had told me early on, because he works NBC Philadelphia, that they were told um, Nate. And, you know, every reporter in that building knew Nate was going to play. Um, the players knew he was going to play. So that's what made the Miles part of it a little bit strange. But, again, he wasn't active. I, I don't know the injured players, how that works. Um Eagle, you know, Doug didn't make a grandiose announcement uh, that, hey, it, you know, this time Nate Sudfeld's coming into the game, but everybody was pretty much well aware he was coming into the game at some point. Um, and that, as I said, was sort of baked into the game plan. So, I, I, I you know, I, I'm, anybody who knows me knows I'm not a, a, a fan of tanking, uh, and I think – you should try to win every game. I don't think there's a big difference between six and nine. Um, I do think there's a big difference from tanking one quarter of a game to tanking for four years. Uh, there's a lot of context. Um, but it generally, um, 
it's never a good thing if you want to build a, a, a winning culture. But ultimately, I don't think one game, one season, I don't think it's going to matter. Why did they, and I've asked you this already, but why did they go about it the way they did? Because to me, it just comes up in my mind like, all right, did they just not want to handle the criticism? So they're saying, you know what, let's just take the sixth pick and we're not even going to try and win this if it's close at the end of the game. Because in my mind, why did you why did you put Jason Kelsey in the game to begin with? Why did you put Zach Ertz in the game? Like, why did you, th- there's just so many questions that don't make sense um, with with the reasoning that we're getting? Well, a lot of times, you know, Doug is really honest when you get through uh, the, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, the white noise, whatever term you want to use. But uh, bottom line is Nate has been here for four seasons, um, the free agent, and he wanted to give him a chance to be on the field to sort of earn that next contract. Now, it didn't work out uh, for for Nate Sudfeld, um, but he did want to give him that opportunity as sort of a, I don't know, a gold watch uh, for his work through essentially almost four seasons. He came in a little bit late on that first season, but he's been here for four seasons. Um, and Doug just really likes him and wanted to give him an opportunity. It really comes down to that. It, it, it It's really sometimes oxen razors, simplest explanation is is the explanation, and I think that's the case here. Uh, why don't you fill us in a little bit on Scangarello? Yeah, uh, Rich is not going to be back. Um and it's interesting, um, you know, if you think about what a disaster the, the firing of Mike Rowe turned out to be, who I know is not popular with his fan base, but, you know, Doug wanted to keep him. Uh, I've told the story a lot. He said he was going to keep him, if you remember, uh, at his uh, post uh, uh, game press conference uh season-ending press conference after the Seattle playoff loss. And then he had to reverse course when Jeffrey Lurie said, no, he's got to go. Um, and, you know, Jeffrey's thought process was we need new ideas, we need new blood for this offense. And ultimately they tried to get James Urban out of Baltimore. They couldn't do it. Uh, they tried to get Graham Harrell out of USC at the college level, couldn't do it. Um, and they ended up with Rich Scangarello, um, who was the offensive coordinator for one year in Denver, and obviously that was not exactly an impactful offense. Now, they had a lot of issues at the quarterback position, first-time head coach, all that. Um, but nonetheless, <laughs> in it, it, it tells you – sort of both sides were sort of like let me see how this works out now rich actually was going to come in as the offensive coordinator and didn't want that title it was a one-year contract which tells you everything you need to know uh so the eagles had to settle for somebody doug really didn't want to be honest um 
as opposed to a guy he, he trusted. And I, I'm not telling you, Ryan, that Mike Rowe was this great offensive coordinator, but I do think he was growing into the position, pun intended, I guess. But <laughs> uh, I, I do think he was getting better. And, but the key to me is Doug wanted him. Doug trusted him. And now you have all these moving parts, and it doesn't work, which is no surprise. I, I Now, I didn't think it would be this bad. And here we are a year later, and he's not coming back because it didn't work, and now you got to go through the whole rigmarole again. And it just highlights what a poor decision that was by, as I started to call him, the stealthy meddler. And you would think he would learn from that. But there's nothing he can do now. You can't, you know, Mike's in Indianapolis with Frank Reich. You, you can't go say, hey, you want the job because you make yourself look bad, so we're going to go through this again. And hopefully the Eagles can find somebody that Doug trusts at least and, and starts to build from scratch as opposed to a guy who, again, was growing into the position. And the Eagles set themselves back. So what are some names that you would like to see you know, replace him? How important of a role is that? And, and what other changes to the coaching staff would John McMullen like to see be made here? Well, defensively, it, it, as I said, it all depends how they want to go. And um, if they want to go outside the building, I mean, essentially you're going to blow up blow out most of the defensive coaching staff, if not all of it, uh, because the new guy is going to want to bring in his own coaches. So that that comes down to the decision, uh, do you want to elevate a Matt Burke or do you want to go outside the building? And um, I'm a big fan of consistency. Uh, I mentioned I think Jim has done a good job. Uh, so I, that, you know, fans wouldn't like it but that would be the way I would go on the defensive side of the ball. On the offensive side of the ball, <laughs> look, Doug's the offensive coordinator. He has been, whether people want to admit it or not, he was the offensive coordinator when Frank was here, uh, when Mike was here, with Rich and Press Taylor. It's his offense. So to me, it's not as important, and that's why I think the more important important part is getting somebody that Doug trusts as a sounding board and Doug wants. I, I do think he likes Press Taylor. I don't think that would excite people to say the least. Um, but again, to me, it, it, it's more important uh, to, to have that trust with the head coach. And then Jeffrey wants, you know, Jeffrey wants Graham Harrell. He wants oh, he's innovative. You know, he's probably turning on the TV on Saturday and, you know, thinks that's innovative, just like he did with Chip Kelly. Guy doesn't learn from his mistakes. He really doesn't. Uh, I saw... He's a billionaire, so you get away with that. <laughs> exactly. That's There are no mistakes with that type of money, I guess, uh, for him at least. All right, so I saw an article from um, your co-worker at si.com ed talking about the howie roseman asking for help to keep carson wentz for
for uh, an interesting person that he decided to ask for help from. Yeah, that's wild. Um, <laughs> uh, and there's more to that story. but uh, Please fill us in. Yeah, I, I, Howie Roseman went to Zach Ertz um, to ask, how can we repair this relationship? How can we build this football team around um, Carson Wentz, which, which tells you a couple things. One, um, they want to build around Carson Wentz. So if you're looking for, depending on your predilection, if you're looking for positive or negative, that's in the positive. They, they want him back. Um, and, and then, you know, both uh, Howie and, and Zach uh, essentially said, um, and Zach said it plainly, he doesn't hold grudges uh, as far as pretty high-profile uh, shouting match they got into at practice, um, which wasn't about uh, the contract, by the way. It was about um, uh, rehab work and Zach working with his personal trainers. Uh, the Eagles didn't want him doing that. So uh, a lot of that was misreported as well. Um, but it is interesting, and, and it, it I think for the most part it's a positive. It, it indicates, you know, I still don't think there's a, a very good chance that Zach is going to, to play for the Eagles. Uh, but it does indicate that, that both are, are, are being professionals. <laughs> if you're um, Zach, and, wouldn't and, you be like, sorry to jump in, but wouldn't you be like, um, hello, what about me? <laughs> like, Zach, we need to really fix things with Carson. If I'm Zach, I'm like, dude, you need to fix things with me. Well, <laughs> and again, that's the, pro- the the professional part of it and the fact that, you know, Zach's just never going to be that guy. Zach yeah. is just not going to. You know, there are certain types of personalities I'm sure Howie wouldn't do that with, Right. uh, to be blunt. Uh, Zach is not that type of guy. He's not going to um, burn bridges. He's not going to be uh, uh, disingenuous. I mean, he, you know, he takes very seriously, obviously, his his faith and and things of that nature. He tries to be a good person. So... um, and, and he's very close to Carson, uh, so that point. Uh, and, and he did mention, you know, how he, when I asked him about Zach, um, you know, called himself a bad cop. you got to be the bad cop at times. Uh, and Zach also said, when I asked him about that, he said he understood it. So uh, it is an interesting, uh, I don't know if you want to call it uh, a marriage, but it it does indicate that the Eagles are trying to, you know, uncover every rock, so to speak, uh, on trying to figure out what the heck is going on with Carson Wentz. Can we fix this? And maybe it's just due diligence. You know, maybe it's maybe they come to the conclusion. I said evaluation is is the part of this nobody ever talks about. I mean, if the Eagles decide, you know what, we we can't fix this player. Well, that changes things, and I think that's what they're doing. They're trying to go through this evaluation, and you know, maybe as an example, you know, maybe Carson's not forward and saying this receiver uh, I don't have confidence in, but maybe he says that to his friend. You know, it could be something as yeah. simple as that. So, 
you, you you try to do as much due diligence as you can, and I think that's the process the Eagles are going through. But it is interesting, and that they would have went to, to Zach Ertz, and um, uh, it also indicates in a in a in a more negative uh, uh, part of it. I don't think they know what the hell they want to do. Yeah. Agree. That that's as, that makes it as clear as day to me. It's funny you bring that up because that's what I was just thinking. Like, what? Why would you? I, I don't know. How does this become public? Why would you go to Zach if you don't have a clear cut game plan? That makes the questioning of so many things throughout the timeline, particularly you know previously in this season, it makes all those questions become more valid. Like, like the the conspiracy theories and what what are they doing and they don't know what they're doing. It just seems like they have no clue. They have no clue the direction they want to take this franchise right now, particularly in this offseason. Yeah, um, I would agree with that. I, I, I think it's a, it's a bad time in that organization. I think there's a lot of people questioning uh, themselves and, and what went wrong. The Eagles, didn't t- the Eagles, trust me, didn't think this was coming. Uh, they didn't think in a million years um, things would have gone off the rails the way they did. And they're a little bit spooked by it, to be honest. Yeah, they um, seem spooked. <laughs> and, and, and you know, when you're spooked and you it's just like a player, you lose a, a little bit of confidence and you try to think, you know, what, what has gone wrong? And I think, you know... You, Everyone calls it an excuse, and understandably so, because nobody wants to hear excuses. But if you look at some of the playoff teams from last year in the NFC side that didn't make it back, most notably would be San Francisco, well, they were ravaged by injuries. I mean, just ravaged. Uh, And if Nick Bosa is there, and if Debo Samuel doesn't miss, you know, three-quarters of the season – and George Kittle doesn't miss half a season. Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't miss um, more than half a season. They don't lose their quarterback room for, uh, not excuse me, their running back room for the majority of the season. Guess what? They're going to be in the playoffs. They are. Uh, so if you want to call that an excuse, call it an excuse. Same thing in, in Minnesota. If you, you lose, you know, Danelle Hunter's out for the entire season. Um, you know, that's one of the best edge rushers in football. Guaranteed basically 15 sacks a year. Uh, Michael Pierce opted out for COVID. Anthony Barr gets hurt. I don't know, it was week three, week four. Eric Kendricks gets hurt. This uh, is the last five games when they're trying to make their playoff run. Guess what? If those guys are out there, they're in the playoffs. And for the Eagles, and this is what Doug kind of centered on, if Lane Johnson's healthy, if Brandon Brooks is healthy, if Jason Kelsey, uh, excuse me, Jason was the only one who was healthy, if Isaac Samalo doesn't miss half a year, if Andre Diller's healthy, they're probably going to make the playoffs. ton of injuries, yeah. Again, that happens to different teams every year. But it is true yeah it's 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 just because it's become somewhat normal for lack of a better word 
doesn't mean it's not a, a, a massive factor into your success or lack thereof in the regular season. Uh, John, we only have about three minutes or so left here. You, you bring up evaluation, and I want you to evaluate just from your from your assessment, what you've seen and heard and everything else covering the team this year regarding Doug Peterson because people want him gone. People are saying they would understand it if the Eagles moved on. But, like, what what role does he play in all of this mess? Because it's that's a hard question to answer. But what in your mind has Doug really failed at um, this season and what, what he needs to get back to doing so well? Uh, I, I think the Eagles as a whole, and it starts with, with Doug, obviously, as the head coach, didn't handle the adversity well. I mentioned some of the adversity from injury-wise. I mentioned, um, whether it was earlier this week or last week, about how they handled uh, COVID-19. Uh, I don't think they handled it well. Um, now, I, I'm not talking about the virus itself, the protocols and all that. I think they handled very well. They didn't have many positive tests compared to other teams. But as far as the virtual work, as far as the preparation, I think it's pretty clear they failed in that aspect of it. Um, so I, I think the biggest disappointment is the inability to handle adversity uh, a little bit better. Um, and then the other stuff, I think, is what I talked about at the beginning of this call with the Sixers and Doc Rivers versus Brett Brown. And um, and, and Brett would be the better example. You know, for years and years and years, he had the worst record in NBA history as a coach because the Sixers were tanking. And when they got some players, he would win 50 games. Still the same guy. You could argue he was a better coach when the team was worse. Because you got to rate these things on a sliding scale. Um, Doug just doesn't have the personnel. Same guy. Won a Super Bowl. Didn't forget how to coach. Uh, but it's a bottom line league. So I understand why people want him gone. Uh, but you got to get more than three years dispensation when you win a Super Bowl for a team that's never won one and hasn't won a championship since 1960. Now, if they win four games next year, you know, bring your torches, bring your pitchforks. <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> Those have already been brought by many. Um, but John's is locked away somewhere. It's It takes a lot for John to bring his pitchfork out. <laughs> uh, all right, man. I appreciate it. As always, follow John on Twitter at JF McMullen. He has plenty of written articles out on SI.com and PhillyVoice.com, so be sure to head over there and extending the play Saturday at 10. We'll talk to John before that tomorrow at 1030. All right, man. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you, Ryan. Yep. Later. There he is. Johnny Mack. Um, the Eagles offseason has become sort of not just the Eagles. The NFL offseason has become NBA-ish. We, we love the NBA stories and which stars are leaving to go to a new team, a new city. And the NFL doesn't have that exactly. But the storylines in the NFL offseason have become entertaining. <laughs> it, used to, it, it hasn't always been like that in the NFL. All right, we got one hour down just like that. It's lit. When we come back, Evan Wallace. We're going to talk some hoops. Let's get off the gridiron and onto the... Hardwood. 
We'll be back. You're hearing AM 1490 Sports Betting Radio. Listen online at 1490sportsbettingradio.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.